0: Welcome to the AR15 podcast. AR15 podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle
1: to the next level. Welcome to episode 195 of the AR15 podcast. I am JD Reed is not with us tonight. He is on a sun-soaked beach in Florida. God help us if we picture anything he's wearing on the beach, but uh, he'll be back with us next week for SHOT Show. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk about uh, build versus buy for first-time AR uh, owners, and uh, we have the normal gang with us tonight, Robert and – uh Robert's actually our special guest from RTT Firearms. We've got Michael and Anthony, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, also, I want to give you guys a heads up. We are – we know we've been off for a couple weeks Uh, We have been getting ready for SHOT Show. We are going to try to do our best and put out five to six shows next week as we uh, go to Range Day and a couple other events and walk the floor of SHOT Show. So be looking for those uh, to come out pretty rapidly next week. Uh, They may not be the greatest editing quality. We may be a little loopy uh, because basically you spend all day walking around for 12, 14 hours. You eat and then you talk. So it, it should be a good time. We're really looking forward to it. Uh, you can support the show at FirearmsRadio.tv. click on pledge. Thanks to Tom Gonzalez for supporting the show. Uh, we appreciate you. In fact, we uh, actually got ready for shot show by buying some new equipment that uh, Robert at RTT helped us out. Uh, also Tom Gonzalez and a couple other sponsors. So thank you guys for investing in the show and helping us bring you a better quality product each week. Man, guys, I really wish Reed was here to do this part. Cause it just feels awkward. It's <laughs> all get out. Um, So you can support the show there, firearmsradio.tv. Nobody talks either. (laughs) They just leave me here like I'm all alone. (laughs) I know you guys are there. I can see it. But uh, what have you guys been up to the last couple of weeks? Robert, we're going to start with you since you're our guest.
2: Man, we are just been scrambling, getting ready for shot, getting as many Cerakote jobs ready as we can for other other, uh, manufacturers in the States. And then as well doing our own stuff, Um, we have a – a new RTT 10, basically 308 that we launched that shot. Um, so we've been building on those and getting them ready and getting pre-orders and all the marketing stuff dialed for a shot. So, yeah, it's been uh, a lot of hours the last few weeks, and uh, this last week has been a lot of crunch time. You know, the crew has been working overtime and late hours just to get everything done and ready so that we can have a smooth shot show this year.
1: Anthony, what have you been up to? <laughs>
3: uh you know getting ready for shot um you know it'd be taking some time off from work so trying to get all uh caught up with that and uh then getting ready to do stuff at shot making sure that the uh, podcast is ready to go and looking forward to the show hopefully we'll make some good contacts and uh, get you guys some content out of it
1: michael what have you been up to
0: I'm going to be the odd man out here. I am actually not going to shot, so instead I am staring longingly at Instagram at all the teasers of all the new great stuff that's coming out after the show, but I guess I'm going to have to wait around and see it after it gets used like everybody else.
1: One year. We'll get you out here one year. Everybody's staying at my house, so um, okay. the uh, my house is turning into the AR-15 frat house for a couple of days, <laughs> uh, if, if my wife will let me. So. <laughs> Um, I've been, you know, getting ready for going to Shot Show, taking time off work too. I I live in Las Vegas, so driving to the strips is just about a ten minute adventure. Um, I also used the uh, new Silencer uh, Shop, uh, powered by Kiosk, um, to do some form fours on a couple of Silencer Co suppressors. It was an interesting experience. Definitely easier than filling out all the paperwork. Being running around town to get fingerprints and everything. So, check it out. Um, it took me maybe 20 minutes at the store to fill everything out. And then, you know, I got to look at my suppressors for a couple minutes and, you know, remember exactly what they look like because 10, 11, 12 months before I'll actually be able to use them. And then, um, Silencer Shop is pretty cool. They've got everything you upload your trust. And uh, They send you an email, you e-sign everything, and they take care of it and send it away, and they tell you to forget about it. I, I love the line that they shot me in an email uh, today. It said, for many people, the best way to pass the time uh, for an approval is just to forget about it. And, uh, you know, we realized that that could be hard. So I felt like I got a little encouraging nudge from <laughs> the silencer shop there. Uh, hopefully, uh, the American Suppressor Association can uh, get that Hearing Protection Act passed, and, and we can do away with this nonsense of waiting close to a year to get uh, some cans uh, on our weapons. So that's what's been going on with me. We want to thank uh, JWB Military and Brass for sponsoring tonight's main topic. Go to jwbmilitary.com and use the promo code ARP10 for 10% off a of quality once fired, uh, military reloading brass, AR-500 steel targets, and more. That's jwbmilitary.com. Uh, I talked to the owner of the company. They are not going to be at SHOT because he's a one-man show, and he said, i got to keep the, the show on the road. So hopefully in a couple of years we'll be able to see them out at SHOT Show and visit with them. Uh, up next, our, our rifle giveaway that we're currently in the middle of, and uh, the guy actually putting up that rifle is joining us tonight, Robert, from RTT Firearms. Uh, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about the rifle itself real quick? So when we decided to do this,
2: we talked about, you know, making it compliant for this and that. So we decided just, if you live in a state where you can't have an SBR, uh, sorry, you're just not going to be able to get this giveaway. So uh, we did our two-tone distress flag, which we've been pushing a bunch in the coat. Uh, did a nice forged mill spec upper-lower, 12-inch rail. It's got a little hidden can underneath it, 10.5-inch barrel. So this will be an SBR that will be transferred out to the lucky winner. So uh, retail value on it's probably about fourteen, fifteen hundred bucks. So someone's going to get a really nice piece. And I forgot that I was going to bring it up to shot with me, so we could do some cross promotion. So I'm going to have to sneak that one up in my backpack and get it up to the top floor, and we can uh, get some uh, more contestants signed up for this giveaway. But yeah, it's going to be an awesome piece. I think it's one of the best things that uh, you guys have given away so far. I mean, no one's done an
1: SBR yet. I'll, I'll uh, definitely uh, agree uh, with that. <laughs> Uh, you can sign up for that at firearmsradio.tv. Click on the AR15 podcast and uh, you'll find the link there. You can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, we share the link on there several times. Uh, we're just over, I think, 750 uh, people that have entered um, that giveaway. So uh, we're going to be running it probably till the end of February, guys. So you've got plenty of time to get in. And uh, just a heads up, Reed served in the Marines. You know, he did not serve for Darth Vader. Or the Peace Corps or any of those other smart aleck answers I put up there. He served for the Marines. So there's a softball for you. Also coming up next week, um, America becomes great again, or it starts to become great again. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be inaugurated next week. And uh, Robert, also from RTT Firearms, we've decided to give one person a very awesome kind of commemorative lower Uh, For the Trump inauguration, I believe when we discussed it, we talked about the uh, Make America Great Again, the Trump, and then also the serial number will be the date of the inauguration. Right, Robert? Yes,
2: sir. Yeah, it's going to be a one-off deal. We haven't haven't used that serial number for any other range, so this
1: will be a a one-of-a-kind that nobody else will ever have. So we're going to do that um, because it's just going to be a 24-hour deal. Uh, We're going to go ahead and do that on Facebook and Instagram. If you really want to enter it, uh, shoot me an email. If you don't have Facebook or Instagram, uh, jd.ar15podcast at gmail.com. That's jd.ar15podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'll shoot you the link on how to enter in that. So uh, Robert, once of all, we haven't talked to you for a little bit. Uh, you have been amazing, a great friend to the show. Thank you for your partnership last year and continuing into this year. We really appreciate everything that uh, your shop and your generosity is done for not only us as a podcast, you brought in a bunch of new listeners, but um, you've you've also donated rifles and done Cerakote jobs and lowers. Uh, thank you, man, for everything you've done for us.
2: Yeah, no worries, man. It's been a great opportunity for all of us. And they, it really got us to connect with the community and and get out there. And, you know, we're, we're a small town kind of shop, but we've really made a name in the industry. And and by giving back and supporting people like the equipment deal, you guys, you know, hit me up about that. I said, yeah, man, let's, let's get you guys some new equipment, whatever we got to do to help with that end of it. I'm down for it. So I appreciate it. You know, um, there's a lot of big industry guys out there, and and uh, they're missing the boat. You know, I think a lot of their marketing teams are very old school, and they don't look at
1: podcasts or social media as an asset. But it truly, really, truly is. The reach you get is just unbelievable. Well, we thank you for your partnership, Robert. And those those giveaways are awesome, man. You think we can in the rules, Anthony? That I could win the SBR? You think that? No, no,
3: because I can't even enter. You're not allowed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My office manager just said the same thing yesterday. He's like, "You think I can win?" I'm like, "Oh, you definitely can't win it."
3: Well, your friends, that I can't I even can't have it if I were it. to win it. So, JD can't enter at all.
1: <laughs> well, guys, tonight we're going to talk about um, buying your first AR or building your first AR? We asked this question the other day on our Facebook page. You guys uh, gave us a lot of cool insight on how to do it. So we are going to jump into that from the first and kind of take a broad approach to it and look, because frankly, when it comes down to it, it's all up to you. It's how you feel comfortable doing it. Uh, if you feel comfortable building an AR, I mean, I've done it. I know the rumors. I know people think I just collect lowers, guys. But I have actually built a couple of rifles, so it can be done by a redheaded stepchild. It can be done by you. Uh, also, your other options, buying one off the shelf, one that's already put together. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, and that's sponsored by JWBMilitary.com. So thanks to them. And uh, let's jump right in, guys. Um, first off, I'll start off asking each one of us, what's your preference, build or buy, or... Maybe better yet, what was the first thing you did? Did you build one or did you buy one? Robert?
2: I bought a complete upper, and I built my lower and pinned it together. So I I was one of those guys that didn't have the tools to build the uppers years ago, so it was easier for just me to assemble the lower with, with standard tools. And uh, so I was kind of the hybrid that in between.
1: Nice. Anthony?
3: Uh, yeah, I actually did the same thing. I wasn't, you know... 100% confident uh that I had the tools and the ability to put together my uh, first upper but the lower seemed pretty easy um and uh so yep bought a stripped lower put it all together uh bought a completed upper and uh that was my first rifle and uh yeah now looking back I realize it's super easy to build your upper you know to build your own upper it doesn't really require that many tools um so it's definitely within anybody's reach to build their first AR for themselves.
1: Michael?
0: So I actually tried to build my own rifle for the first one that I had, but during that time, it was taking a long time for anything to get shipped out. And so I actually ended up going into my local gun store and buying a rifle that was on consignment off the shelf, and then kind of like the guy that buys a Honda Civic and then just changes everything out of it eventually. So it's sort of a Franken rifle, but... Uh, I guess it's a little bit of both.
1: So, if you had if you had a chance to go back, would you wait for the parts, or would you just do the same thing over again?
0: Well, knowing what I know now, I would have waited for the parts. I, at the time, I was a little bit concerned because I had some parts on order that took 32 weeks, and they still didn't get it machined and sent to me. So, I thought to myself, "Oh no, they're gonna they're not gonna send it to me," and then I get caught with uh, you know in the big scare. So, I just went and bought one. Um, but n- knowing now that nothing happened, I guess I would have actually attempted it, but. I'm I'm not disappointed with what I got in the end.
1: I started out, I bought my first rifle. It took me six months to research and uh, I finally settled on a Daniel defense rifle. Um, it took 12 weeks to get it in. And then uh, the second rifle I did, I actually built as a SBR and 300 blackout. Um, I probably learned more about building it from tearing down the Daniel defense rifle completely and putting it back together. Uh, they're, Really, anything I had done at the time, it it made me more confident to put it together. So uh, that SBR and then actually two SBRs that I've built, I've been the rifles. I haven't built a regular one yet, although I have um, eighty three or eighty four lowers that I could uh, build into those rifles. So leaning towards the build side to start off here, um, Robert, when we're coming, when somebody's looking at you know lowers and you see polymer, you see billet, you see forged what's the what's the difference between them and is there one that kind of stands out uh, from that group of three
2: yeah i mean traditionally your forgings you just can't beat it's mil spec they're within standards of to you know for purchasing it for the military to use so the forgings there's nothing wrong with it we do billet stuff here and you know it's a nice upgrade it's not necessary by any means but when people are willing to spend a little bit more money to get a top tier rifle, then they're not going to do it in a forged platform. Polymers. I refuse to put my name anywhere around. Um, I'm just, you know, machinists in the family runs deep and we don't machine plastic. So that's just, just, you have us who has some polymer injection people here and they make decent product. And their, their strategy is to, to get the cheapest product into the consumer's hands so they get more of them out there and everybody gets a lower. And that's not a bad business motto, but you're selling a disposable product. And in America, I think we're too geared up for buying disposable TVs and DVD players and everything's, you know, meant to only last a few years so they can sell you a new one at Walmart. So being an American made company, I don't want to sell stuff like that. I want to sell something that's going to last generations and hundreds of years. I want my receiver sets. You know, we found that you know most forgings can run two hundred thousand rounds through them before you have any structural integrity issues. And billet, you could probably get you know twenty five percent longer out of it. Um, So I always, you know, with our business model was to build something that I would want to own. So forged or billets, the only way to go in my opinion.
1: What's the difference between the two?
2: so you're forging, you basically have your mold and you know they, they pour in your aluminum and it's forged into the shape of the receiver. So on the machining side of it, instead of a solid block, the outside profiling works majority of it done. So there's only a few operations to get it to finish, where a billet starts with a solid block, you buy it in a you know 12-foot bar, you cut it to size, you machine you know one side, the other side, flip it up and do an indexer, start flipping around and getting all your different machining marks done so as far as machine time you're talking three four times the amount of machine work to finish a billet receiver whether it's up or lower to a, uh, a forging and that's why you see a difference in yes. price
0: between a yeah just and
2: a so much wall. more machine time and machine times add up luckily you know i think the biggest deal of why billet's so popular now is you know the cost of machines have gone down so substantially that you don't have to go out and buy a hundred thousand dollar plus cnc to start ripping off lower receivers so I think that's why the, the billet stuff's a lot more popular. It's uh, it's easier to get the the quality you want and you get the margin, you know, of having a top-tier rifle off of that platform to build with.
3: Uh, well, and uh, the other thing, too, but, is, is that I've noticed with the billet is uh, versus the forging is. It's where you get into a lot of the fancy lowers, you know, with the skulls on them and stuff. Um, because you are doing the machine operations, you can do that versus uh, the forging where you might, you know, where you're going to go back and do it anyways with a machine.
2: Yeah, on a, on a forging, I mean, if, if you have an idea for some crazy skull lower and you make a mold, you can forge it into it. But if you're not going to sell, you know, hundreds of thousands of them, then that cost of that mold really is, is not worth it to to do that. So, yeah, the bill has really opened it up for all that, you know. I um, mean, there's companies that made made a name in the industry just by putting, you know – a rhino face or whatever on on a lower and and everyone just goes back crazy over and pays $400 for a strip lower. So (laughs) I don't get it, but it don't matter to me, whatever the consumer wants. Right. Uh,
1: Now, if, if somebody's buying for the first time and they've got a hundred bucks in their hand, and we're not going to mention companies, but you have one company that offers, you know, for a hundred dollars, a forged lower. And then you have another company for, 49 bucks that offers a forged lower. Is there really a difference in quality or are they really just made from the same thing, Robert?
2: So we've came across this and yeah, we'll leave names out of it. Uh, I don't, I don't need to get any letters <laughs> sent over here. You know, send me letters. I, f- I frame every letter. I got a few of them around here. So uh, I'm <laughs> proud of it, but uh, you know, there's a big difference. There's a reason why three or four, five, ten major companies produce a lower that's $79 and up. And there's a couple, one, that produces them for, for sub-price sub that, you know. And uh, it comes down to where your forgings are made. So if your forgings made in the United States, we have a certain, you know, cost of aluminum to figure in because we have our ratings of 60, 61, 70, 75, and so on. So not to knock names. I know there's millions of them out there. But if you're a lower-price-tier lower, price tier lower it's probably not forged in the USA it's finished in the USA
1: where would it be forged
2: rumor has it's Japan and Japan actually does really good work if you're gonna buy an a Asian type part it's better to come out of Japan than China or you know wherever else Taiwan or any of the other places uh, I mean look at look at the Japanese motorcycles they're they're obviously premier to to uh, some of the Americans, especially in the off-road industry, or you know, supercross motocross bike, So not have to say it's not good, but there's a reason. You know, the price of aluminum is the price of aluminum. You can only, you know, cut costs certain ways. So on the backside, we have seen poor machining, out of spec, really not true mill spec lowers come from that price point of a, of a deal. Will it work for civilian commercial use? Yes. Is it battle-worthy? Better than a polymer. But you're better off to spend a little bit more money to get a named company
1: that, that really spends time in finishing their product the proper way. So you've got it. I mean, you've got it there. I mean, it it really is probably going to be a theme on a lot of the things we talk about here. It's you know the quality of the company that's making the product. You want to make sure that you know they're going to stand behind their stuff. If you you know if you spend a little less, you may save a buck now, but it may not turn out to be exactly what you want uh, in the long run. So I have
2: a, I have a a. a, a a thing that all the consumers can do here are your viewers and listeners that have a lower that they purchased for probably 50 bucks or less. I want them to look at their buffer detent location and how close the machining of the fire control pocket goes to that detent location. You will see 80% of those lowers have a bulging of the detent because it's machined too far back out of spec. So if you have that, that could be a potential failure if your, de- your buffer detent is not retained properly. So I want to I want to see some pictures maybe on some <laughs> of the, on the pages or whatnot. But uh that's what I found with those lowers. And it's not a huge issue on every one of them, but we've seen a lot of them that have been like, and I wanted to put my name on it, I would have chopped that lower in half before I put it out to the public.
1: We we may get letters. <laughs> <laughs> we've done everything except give the address of where the company's at. Uh, but the moving from lowers onto uh, other parts to the other uh, parts that you would consider as you're building your first AR that are critical that you spend. Um, of course you always want to spend the proper amount of money, just like we're talking, you want to buy quality. But if you were to say, these are the two components I'm going to spend more on for my first AR than yeah. I would normally or than the other parts, I'll do average, I'll just do average furniture, I'll do average whatever, but I'll spend more on these. What would be those two parts for you? I would, I would definitely put money in your bolt carrier group, making sure that you
2: bought it from a reputable company, that it was inspected properly, it was finished, whether you're doing a phosphate or melanite or nickel boron, so on and so on. But just to make sure that that's a good named backed company. Um, failure of bolt head is, is probably the biggest failure area that could cause catastrophic failure. So you want to make sure that your BCGs you know, good quality. So, you know, you want to stick closer to $100 price point. If you see them on special for X price, then you kind of want to be leery of that. And then obviously, I mean, receivers are receivers, but the barrel is probably the next thing that you're going to want to suck a little bit more money into. Um, spending, you know, $120 plus for a decent barrel with a decent finish from a rep. Once again, a reputable company
1: um, is the biggest thing, I think. So talking about the bulk carrier groups for a second, what's the difference between the three that you just named for somebody who's um, buying their first AR or building their first AR?
2: So, yeah, so they're all, they're all machined pretty much to the same kind of specs. Um, that fall under the criteria. So your phosphate is your basic uh, finish. It's that soft, gray, um, dry-looking finish. Um, mil-spec falls under all that classification, so it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it meets the standard. Um melanite um is kind of the next step that everyone's been kinda of leaning towards. It's a lot slippier of a surface, more shiny, more glossy, a lot more durable and harder, especially on the bolt face. Um and then you have your nickel boron. Nickel boron, um, depending on how they plate it up or whatever, you are gonna look at different tolerance issues. So you might have to machine it accordingly if you're gonna nickel a carrier from the manufacturer. Uh nickel boron's super slick, shiny. It's that, you know, shiny beer can look on the side of your gun. When we always always revert back to it because I like hunting stuff, so I never put a nickel boron gun in, you know, uh, ECG in any of my firearms that I hunt with. Uh, but, yeah, that's your shiny one. There's also titanium nitride and different ways of doing it that are gold colors. But um, at the end of the day, as long as it's, you know, uh, MP tested and it passed inspection, then it, it should be suitable for your battle rifle.
1: What about um, – I'm just looking at our list here of questions and stuff come up. Um, do you think the – but like a quality buffer assembly, does that matter, or are they just all kind of the same?
2: Yeah, no, there is a big difference in buffer. You know, when you build for a living, you, you find a what do call it in the back? We find our recipe or what we run, and it takes a lot of a lot of development on on what you want to use and whatnot. But the basic, the big deal in the buffer is the weight that makes the difference, and, and depending on where it's made. So some of the uh, the buffer uh, uh, elastomers on the bottom are made of. Um, you know, different types of plastics or polymers or, you know, so on. So the Chinese have definitely influenced a lot of the buffer sales in the United States by making a subpar one. So, yes, you'll have buffer issues if you don't buy a decent um, decent buffer for sure. You're going to want like a three ounce minimum for like a carbine and and so on. It all changes, but – um, yeah, that could be a failure area. You know, you could put a, a cheap buffer and it, it runs fine on two, two, three, but you put five, five, six in it. Now you got running issues and it, it has nothing to do with gas or timing it could just be a crappy buffer in are gun.
1: Do you see, um, do you see people having a problem identifying what kind of rifle they want or what they want to use it for? If they come to you to, to buy one or to have you build one or to ask, ask for your advice. Um, do you ever see um, a confusion in first time buyers with what they want the rifle actually for? Exactly. Yeah. My big thing
2: I've learned over the years is like price point and application. What do you intend to use this for? And how much do you have to spend? And usually with those two things, you can clear out, like, I want to hunt with it. I just want to go out and plank at beer cans at, you know, 50 feet. So then you can say, hey, this, you know, base model is kind of what you need to do. If you're a first time buyer, I usually recommend, you know, not buying the entry level, kind of going up to the the dollars dollars 900 price to your point. So that way you get something of quality that might already have some of the parts that you're going to upgrade. In.
1: Do you, um, <clears throat> let me gather my thought. This is where Reed's better at leading the interview than I am <laughs> as we <laughs> run into this part. But I'm thinking about, you know, do you notice when somebody's building for the first time, um, I guess gun form etiquette or gun page etiquette is to, uh, crush somebody immediately. Um, what's the feel like in your shop if somebody comes in and they're a first timer or, or or maybe just have a couple rifles or something they have a problem? Um, it, it, that's not the etiquette they get from you. What do you find helpful for those that are first time uh, buyers? Yeah, you
2: know, unfortunately, this industry kind of has that it's they do not want tire kickers at the gun shop. I guess I guess that's the only way I can compare it. So when somebody comes and asks some questions, unless you go to like a, a family orange store or you know a sales guy, like they're gonna answer like minimal amount of questions as possible. I don't know why it's like that. We really try to, you know, be open here and if somebody wants to spend an hour talking about a gun and they don't buy something, I don't really care as long as I can feel that they I have educated in the proper way before they leave the shop. So um yeah, I mean, I think you just need to go to a good shop, and if, if they're not friendly, maybe move on to the next one. And, and just find someone that treats you with, you know, there's no, there's no benefit in calling somebody a noob and bashing them on, you know, a social media page because they're asking questions on some forum stuff, you know? Like, we should be open and helping people so they can build a safe firearm at the end
1: of the day. I mean, when you think about it, at the end of the day, they're building something that has a controlled explosion in their hands. Right. So there's really not a dumb question, I mean, when oh. you think about it.
2: No, no, you're right. You, you know, you got to be open to help them out. We can, John, my uh, one of my sales guys. He's retired army and he's just a cracker. This guy's hilarious. So he's been trying to reserve like a one eight hundred, 1-900 RTT tech line and uh, people could call in and we could answer questions because we've been selling so many strip lower receivers that these guys are buying parts from here, from there, and they're assembling. They're like, well, this doesn't work or this is not fitting right and this and this. And I'm like, well, where are you buying your parts off of eBay? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you have to buy your parts. Not have to. Okay, let me give you a You should buy your parts from a company that builds rifles and sells parts. There's countless companies who sell parts but don't assemble them. So they don't really know what they're selling and how it fits and how it could be improved because they're just flipping parts. I do a lot of middle band for the stuff that we don't make on site here and say, hey, this works, this doesn't, change this, do something different. Because these parts companies just don't, they threw one gun together. Oh, this stuff works great. Throw a few hundred of them together and then tell me your parts are great.
1: What would you say is an area for somebody building for the first time where they could cut corners to save cost?
2: Yeah, I think, you're, you know, if you want to a, a penny pitch, throw your GI stock and grip on. You don't need to dress it up with an aftermarket stock and, stock and grip um forged versus billet you can just go to a forging that's just fine it'll hold your fire control group just fine pin your upper the same so um i would recommend cutting corners just in those couple areas the rest of the firearm if you can't build it right just take some time at it research the parts ask your friends what they're using and take your time with it you know make sure you put something of value inside your firearm You're trusting you know, your life with it, like I said, it's a a controlled explosion inches away from your face. So make sure that you're using stuff of quality by a company that has some backing behind it that might build with those parts.
1: Um, How do you think or how would you explain uh, that the gas system affects or the the length of the gas system affects your rifle? Um, How would somebody know which one they should get uh, when they're putting together uh, their first build?
2: Yeah, so... Depending on how you build it, I mean, so we make our own gas blocks here, and that, that makes quality of, of cycling and everything fitment way nicer because um, we match them to all of our barrels. So carbine is probably the easiest way for someone or to, to build with. Just in case you put a sloppy gas block on, it's still going to make enough pressure to recycle the thing. So we see that. I mean, you go on eBay, you see these gas blocks, aluminum gas blocks, low profile, $8.00. Do not put a low profile aluminum gas block on your firearm. It will it will blow up, it will it'll blow a hole out the side of it. You know, it's junk. So, you know, you definitely wanna use something of quality in that area. I prefer a mid-length, sixteen-inch barrel is what I like to shoot with. I like the smoother gas operation of it. I like also like a sixteen inch barrel mid length in a gas piston operation that we do in our Omega rifle. It's really clean, it runs solid, you know, and it stays nice and cool. So um, for the average builder, you'll probably get away with running crappy gas block if you if you do a car
1: Okay. Anthony, do you have any questions to add? Um uh, no, I mean I
3: think I think we kind of covered it. Um if you know if you know again where we've kind of talked about where you can you know step back a little bit, go for a lower priced option. Um, which I think is a lot. What a lot of the questions were, and looking at the feedback that we had, so I think we got a lot of those questions answered.
1: What about something that just came to mind, Robert? What about ammo? Um, you know, another company I'm not going to be named, but um, I can't even think of anything that rhymes with it for a second. But it's pretty nasty, pretty dirty stuff. I see people buying it, run it through their ARs. Um, does ammo make a difference, whether it's quality or cheap or yeah. across the board?
2: Yeah, so we, um, we've we dealt with it. We've seen everybody's stuff. I've taken it all apart measured it, weighed it, see what they're doing and what they're using. Um, most commercial ammo and brass out of a 16-inch barrel will fly at twenty six, twenty seven hundred 2,700 feet per second, um, which is just fine for commercial use. When you want to start shooting you know, match-grade stuff, you want your load a little bit hotter, you want it to fly closer to you know, 2,900 feet per second – the average consumer is never going to notice the difference um, unless you're, you're a bench guy or you're going to do some serious target shooting. So uh, stay away from steel case. Um, I have it in my owner's manual. If you use non-American-made ammo or steel case from another country, it voids your warranty. It doesn't void your warranty because it's going to do any initial damage to your rifle. But when you shove a steel case in and out of your chamber with a projectile that has lead in it, and that projectile with lead in it goes down – your barrel it will wear out your rifling you know lands a lot faster so you want to stick with american-made brass cartridge um you know decent projectile 55 grain 62 grain stuff it's just i always compare it i mean like we build some pretty nice rifles here and it's like if i built you a car are you going to put 85 or 87 octane in it or are you going to run 91 octane or race gas so when you compare it to like that for people they're like oh makes sense but um there's nothing wrong with steel case for bug out ammo I just don't recommend using it if you, if you want to preserve your barrel life. You know, if you want to make your barrel last as long as you can, stick away for that. If you want to go plink and you, it's okay, you're going to replace out a $100 barrel and shoot up thousands around of, of that stuff and get your practice in with it. But you'll have jams, you'll have issues where, the, you know, the it won't extract, it'll get stuck in the chamber because you have to run a little more lube if you're going to steel case, um, ammo through your chamber a bunch. So, um, yeah, stick with quality. American made. We started doing our own ammo here for test firing. We're launching an ammo company by spring um, of this year, so we'll start doing stuff. I'm not going to do any cheap ammo. I want if I'm going to sell it, it's going to be premier stuff. So
1: I don't I don't want to sell crap with my name on. it. Nice and according to for the race fuel thing, uh, not all of us have a uh, beautiful Mustang to go do donuts with in the parking lot and then get pulled over by the police. I, I believe.
2: Oh man, <laughs> that thing's nothing but trouble, but it sure makes delivering guns really fun. So. <laughs>
1: I, I, want to know, I want to know the conversation you and your wife had when you're like, yeah, we'll deliver guns in this Mustang, and knowing how many rifles y'all sell, you must have a roof rack and a little gun caddy behind it as you drag it down the road 23 <laughs> rifles and cases can fit in a Mustang with one driver just so you
3: know <laughs> <laughs> if wondering, that's what Is that an, an exact, exact measurement? <laughs>
2: <laughs> any more than that, you hit the brakes you're getting a case in the back of the head so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, what about you know we just talked about ammo? What about magazines? Are they a, you know yeah. a dime a dozen or does it matter for quality?
2: No, way matters. Um, Magpul really stepped up, and uh, their anti tilt followers they put in their in their magazines um, are really good. I mean, I've I've had rarely I have any issues with their mags. So um, we also get you know a metal mag, but has the same magful follow in it that we, we assemble and sell here too so yeah magazine's a big difference you can build the best gun in the world so again can't name names i wish we could name names sometimes you know you stay away from a couple of things but i i have guys come in they go oh but the gun ran great and then i got my buddy's magazine and it just it didn't feed right the guns, something's messed up with the guns it has nothing to do with the gun that's everything to do with the magazine so yeah magazine's a big deal um i like the magful stuff I like, you know, any of the metal mags with, with good anti-tilt followers. But if you you see a mag on special and you see it for cheap, you might want to steer away with it unless you buy it from a reputable company. I know I'll give Palmetto a plug, man. They blow out those one mags for seven, eight bucks, and those are good magazines. So if you're going to buy, you know, a metal mag for a good price – go to Palmetto, buy like a 10 pack of those things. They're, they're good. They're good uh, magazines and we don't have any issues with
3: them. Although really with the price on a normal mag pool mag, it's one of those things. It's not much, you yeah. know, you you save a dollar or two and you get a product that's just doesn't work as well. So why buy anything else?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the other polymer companies have stepped up a little bit. I've seen, I saw some new stuff at shot last year um, with some different rollers and different things like that. Um, Hex mags. I've had good, good luck with them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, you could, like I said, you can build the nicest gun, you put a cheap mag in it, it just won't run. I think, And I think going back to magazines, this is a good time to bring it up. If you want to build a 762 by 39 AR that runs AK ammo, you know, if you're going to use a traditional AR 15 lower, the magazines are really limited of quality. You know, you'll have issues with feeding issues and stuff. So I really like to see those new lowers coming out that are uses AK mags but still has AR 15. You know fire control group and all that stuff but that really seemed to cure that problem of that build it was the magazine link
1: huh. so with the uh focusing on the build right now for the first time so robert when i when i get all my parts i buy them from reputable dealers i get my good ammo my my good mags you know I, maybe i put the the gi uh and uh, stock on and everything and then you know what i want to add some character to it so i'm going to I'm going to head down to Home Depot. I'm going to buy a couple of rattle cans and I'm going to take it out in my garage and spray it. Is uh, that going to do anything to the rifle or is it just going to look like a bad paint job?
2: You know, I've seen some guys that pull off some amazing rattle can jobs and they're awesome until you run your fingernail across it and you come up and you peel up a bunch of paint. So, yeah, I mean, it is a cheap way. Some guys just don't have it in their budget to pay a certified applicator to do their stuff right. Um, so, you'll see a sub. I picked up a slide today from a uh, a shop down south, and some guys did the same thing. He rattle-canned it, and basically, it was like a brand new Glock. And he basically valued the thing over a hundred dollars just because the paint was flaking off of it. So I'm going to repair it, make it right, so the guy can sell it. So there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it, it. You know, it gives that personalized feel. If you're happy with the outcome of it and you want to reapply a different color every few months, then go for it. You know.
1: But if you wanted to, say, uh, do it right and make it look. Like a distressed yeah. American flag builder set that we gave away. Uh, what would you seek out to do? Yeah, and that's where it kind of comes
2: into – that's probably why I sell so many rifles with our brand is because we offer that top-tier Cerakote finish for a pretty reasonable price on our rifles. Because if you were to – you know, J.D. was to come into whoever's shop that he doesn't know, I want my upper-lower rail painted, but my gun's assembled. I mean, I usually charge 250 bucks to take the gun apart, sandblast and everything, paint your upper-lower rail, Singer color. Put it back together, test fire it, inspect it, clean it, deliver it. So, what's your price that you had before you had into that gun? Five, six, hundred bucks maybe. And then now the Serco job. So now you're up to almost a thousand bucks into this thing where you could have just bought one that was finished from the get go. Um, that's why I think the builder sets are selling so good now is because people are like, now they know like oh, I'm going to get one the Serco. So let's just buy a Serco upper lower rail. I mean, they start at like three hundred bucks on our website, so it's really hard for someone to you know go and buy get their own parts and then take it to an applicator they're going to spend four or five hundred bucks to do the same thing we sell it finished
1: unfortunately i bought all my lowers before i met robert in the rtt so uh, i'm gonna have to go the the cerico route with mine guys can you think of uh as we focus on building it for the first time uh, can you think of anything uh else to add or final thoughts before we switch over to buying
3: um, no, I mean, you are going to need some specialized tools, uh, if you are going to go the build route. Um, and again, if you go and look at Brownells, they have some pretty good builder sets or sets of building tools. Uh, you start there, that'll get you set up pretty well with everything that you need. Cause there are a few specialized tools in there and some tools that make your life a lot easier. Lovely.
0: I've got a question. So if you're a first-timer and you don't come from a military background, you don't do any three-gun or anything like that, there's a lot of information on the Internet. So without naming manufacturers, do you all have any thoughts on resources where you can actually go and educate yourself? Because there's a lot of really stupid Internet gun stuff. There's a lot of uh, shade-tree mechanic type stuff, or you should do this or you should do that in the know, but they are trying to get educated. Do you have any thoughts on where they should go and say, look, this is – authoritative information that you can actually rely on because like you said you are actually holding a very small explosion two inches from your face
2: yeah yeah and i think that's where you pointed out like brown Owls and midway midway has all those videos and they're really good like you can sit through hours of, of videos from those two sites and get all the knowledge you need to be able to be a, a home builder um, quality of tools i think we haven't touched off yet of assembly there's there's the right way to assemble a gun, and then there's the other way to assemble a firearm. And the upper receiver is pretty crucial. If you're just putting it in a clamshell or you're putting it on a vice mount and you're cranking torque on that upper, you're twisting the receiver up, you're kind of running things out of true. So um, proper tools is the biggest thing. Yeah, you could buy like 50 bucks in tools off of eBay and probably scrounge up a build with it. I think our builder parts that we probably have in the, in the back for just like one of my tech benches – probably has close to, like, $500 in purchase tools and probably, yeah, triple that and custom-made stuff that we made over years and years and stuff and developed ways of of doing things a little bit different. Not to say that, you know, I know everything. I know there's some guy that's like, works at Rock River for, like, 20 years. It's probably going to listen to this and be like, yeah, you should do it this way or that. Hey, my way works. I build a really true rifle. It runs great, so what we do works. But um, I, I had instruction from some... Some pretty old guys in town, and he still comes around with my old gunsmiths. And this guy is like the AR-15 man. He like just emails receivers out of blocks on a manual, and he builds bench guns out of them. So I kind of got a little head start on it, like dealing with some pretty, pretty spark guys in the industry.
1: I think uh, you could go to, you know, shops like RTT and talk. I, I love the idea of the hotline for questions as, as long as you're not billing me like 599 a minute um. no dude
2: we're gonna be like we're gonna have like habib he's gonna have like a breakdown sheet of diet information dude like all broke down so he's just gonna he's just gonna tell you how to do it for 99 cents a minute you know so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome
1: um for me, I think you can find, there's a lot of junk on the internet, but you can find some good stuff. If you go to your local shooting clubs your local shooting sites, like us Nevada shooters or, um, Nevada 2 a there, you're going to get some of that. Um, I guess put down stuff from time to time, but most of the time you're going to run into some really good people who, if you ask for help and you're respectful and you're humble, you're going to get that help. Uh, also the, the gun shops, um, man, I bug, uh, I don't bug David as much because that guy's one of the busiest guys in the world up there at new frontier armory. But, um, Ivan at new frontier armory, I watched him the other day when I was in there filling out paperwork, you know, somebody brought a rifle in and asked him it's not firing. Right. And he took it back, figured it out in 15 minutes and just educated them on it. And that's, that's the awesome way to do it. So if you find a shop like that in your area, I, I think, you know, go in there, you know, buy things and support them but you know soak up the knowledge that those people behind the counter have because they've got a lot uh, they've got a lot of knowledge now if you go there with an attitude that you know everything you can't learn everything or learn anything then you're probably not going to get much out of it so and you should probably make your own youtube videos on how to build an ar right thoughts?
2: the local shops man really really are there for you guys and uh, you need to support them as much as you can with, with buying being so strong on the Internet now. We've got to do something to keep these mom-and-pop places running. So go in and talk to them, for sure. There's a lot of good people in the industry that can point you in the right direction. So, like I said, be humble when you go in there because they're going to teach you a lesson, for sure.
1: Any thoughts, Anthony?
3: Yeah, as I was gonna say, you know, say, if you uh, need that help, definitely you find your local shop. That you like a small local shop, not, you know, some of the bigger chains aren't going to give you the help. But if you, you know, you got the gun store, you know, the local gun store that, you know, mom and pop operation, they're, they're, they're going to help you out. They're going to get you what you need. So it's a great resource. Um, you know, again, the Brownells video or the, sorry, not the Brownells, the Midway videos, uh, and some of Brownells resources are great. You're not going to go, not going to steer you wrong there. Whereas if you go to YouTube, you may get some questionable, you may get some good <laughs> advice, and you may get some things that are a little. That's
0: uh, uh, I don't I think that's a good answer. idea. Well, that, that's the impetus for that question because I, I've the uh, few things where I, you know I'm kind of curious. I wonder how that would work, and then there's 70 hits, and uh, you you scroll through the videos, and some of that stuff you just kind of look, scratch your head, and think, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm pretty. Sure, I'm willing to bet a few beers that that guy doesn't know he's doing it either. <laughs> you, you really don't ever know until you put it back together. And, you know, that's when you're, uh, that's when you get into the, Hey bubble, watch this <laughs> and see if it blows up.
1: Hold my beer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <With carved laughs> to his tombstone, right? Yeah.
1: So that's pretty much a look at it uh, building for the first time. Um, also buying for the first time is a great way to, to jump in. And this is kind of going to be shorter because I, I think we can sum it up in just a couple of things about quality and, and uh, companies that have a long track record, uh, I don't like, um, I, I guess I've seen some flash in the pans, the things that are supposed to be the next big thing. And, uh, that, that big thing never comes to market or it keeps getting promised and keeps getting promised. And you watch the, the press releases for it. You want to find, I think when it comes to building guys, you want to find those reputable companies too, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there's a lot of new companies like RTT firearms that are out there producing some pretty good stuff out there. I think some of the big guys are just so content at being big guys and offering the same scale rifles for years and years. I think there's nothing wrong with it, but I look at it as these guys have the opportunity and the budget to do prototyping and to launch something so revolutionary and new. But as long as the consumer's content on buying the same platform style builds, the big boys will never put money into some new development stuff. So, um, that's my two cents on that part of that, but, um, reputable companies are good. Anybody that's going to stand behind it and uses all American made parts. I mean, you see a lot of these cheaper brands, um, selling five, $600 guns. And you look at them and I know where they're getting their parts from. So, you know, you want to make sure that they're using American made stuff.
1: What would you say would be if you're buying for the first time, Robert, what would you say would be the, the bottom line that you could get a solid rifle for, yeah, I mean, I think I think if you're buying a complete rifle, I
2: mean, there's stuff out there that's you know six $700 that's, that's decent. That's where you're getting there's some decent parts you're buying from a good brand. You might find something on special. I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with some of the sport models, you know, um, without having a forward assist or ejection port cover for civilian use, commercial use. That's just fine. But um, I think you just want to buy something that has a warranty that you can talk to somebody if there's an issue and, you know, be able to get some help or get questions. So, I know some of the bigger companies, it's, it's tough to get somebody on the phone that could be a, an armor or a gunsmith that can walk you through a question. So um, I think at the end of the day, I mean, spend a little bit more. You're going to get what you pay for. That's just life, you know. I think sometimes you spend a little bit more buying a brand because brands can seem to add 25% because you have a name. So you got to be leery of that. So if you're going to buy a brand, see if you can get on a special or a closeout to help not pay that branding cost because um, at the end of the day, they're charging a little bit too
1: much more because their name's on it. That that is a situation I'm facing right now. I'm an Oregon boy. I grew up in Oregon. Uh, I want a Novesky rifle. I, I want one, but I know that I am going to pay a lot—probably twenty-five percent, if not fifty percent—more than I would for a comparable rifle, uh, just because of the Novesky name. So beware of that when you go out and shop. There, there are names that cost more. Than just other names. I mean, Smith and Wesson is yeah. Smith and Wesson Savage, and you know uh, Springfield with the Saint and the Savage that are all out. Uh, you know, those have reputable names behind them. But some of the the higher end ARs, you may be paying a little bit more of a markup for that name, don't you think, Anthony?
3: Yeah, I I think that uh, it, you know, as much as a lot of people have kind of you know said some nods and you know another boring gun. The Springfield Saint is kind of an interesting, uh, you know, entry, you know, entry place. Um, I like the MMP Sports; um, they seem like pretty good rifles. Um, but yeah, you know, as so you get into the higher end stuff, yeah, you're getting better components, but you also start paying for more of a name too. So, the, you know, it and it kind of comes down to evaluating what you're really getting. Are you getting? Are you actually getting better components for spending more money, or are you getting a name for spending more money?
1: It's true. Um, I'm trying to think what else would come with buying one. Besides, I mean, knowing what you want, it, it fits with build too. You want to know what the purpose of the rifle is? Is it home defense? Is it three gun? Do you want to get in the competitions, or do you want just something to shoot cans in the middle of the desert or wherever you're at? So, so knowing that uh, would be very important when you go in because. You may buy a rifle that's not set up for that, or you may buy a rifle that, you know, doesn't fit your needs. Or if you're trying to do home defense with a 22-inch barrel, that could be, you know, a little difficult going around corners. Um, I like the idea of buying small companies, too, uh, because they stand behind their products. You know, I'm a big fan of New Frontier Armory here in Las Vegas. I travel across the valley about 40, 45 minutes. There's 10 gun shops between me and there. I travel there because they're a small company. They're family-owned. Um, they they really take care of their customers. And that's how uh, we were introduced to Robert at RTT. And, you know, their name carries a lot of weight that they introduced us. And, you know, Robert and RTT have been amazing uh, to the AR-15 podcast and you guys as listeners. I mean, the giveaways are Uh, You know, astounding. I mean, I'm just blown away at the generosity that they've shown. So shops that that get involved and want to do stuff like that, those are the places we need to support because with the big guys sitting back and just kind of resting on their name, and and that's cool. They've worked hard to get there. You know, I don't fault them for it, but it's going to be a a smaller shop that's going to come out with something that's going to put the industry on its head because now we're in a time, guys – we may face challenges on the state level, but federally, you know, we're kind of heading into a couple of years of some good times when it comes to firearms. Don't you think Robert? Yeah,
2: I think, I think we're coming to some good times just as a manufacturer in in the U S my family was struck pretty hard in the the nineties when aerospace left California. You know Um, we lost a lot of, a lot of work and contract stuff. My father did in his machine shop because of the Clinton, you know, administration, send everything overseas. So if we can bring back a lot of manufacturing um, to the U.S. in all forms and putting high taxes on Chinese parts that are coming in so that our consumers aren't, aren't forced to buy them because they're just so dirt cheap. They don't know any better. This is the deal. Well, sometimes the deal doesn't get you the best part. So uh, I'm excited. You know, we're looking to grow um, our machine shop division a lot bigger. I mean, I really want to pump some money into that, and yeah, make firearms parts, but also open ourselves back up to the aerospace stuff that we used to do. There's a good money in that stuff, and uh, that's how a lot of firearms companies started out, just doing kind of what we did, you know, doing a, doing you know, we did our own motorsports parts for a long time. But there's a there's a family history of 40 years of machining and had government contracts. So I want that stuff. Again.
1: Nice. Uh, can you guys think of anything else as we add to um, the buy it part of the session? And I got crickets. I think I got something for you.
2: So the buy thing, price point application, we've talked about that. That's a big thing of it. The manufacturing, I can tell you the business side of how we run things here and set margins and price points. So every time I pin a gun together and whatever the price I sell it for, after 50 guns, which that evaporates in seconds every year, um, gets we get dinged 11% per sales price. And we have to Dang. pay that tax as a manufacturer to the feds. We're doing business as a firearms manufacturer. So you need to keep that in mind that, yeah, this rifle might have a little bit more of a price tag on it because 11%, warranties, different things that the, the manufacturer could see having happen. Because when you warranty a gun, you know, and build a gun, you got to anticipate some wear or some warranty issues over time. So that's all backed up into the price. So when, when you're looking at the price tag, yeah, it's $200 more than it would cost me probably to build it. Yours doesn't come with a warranty. It's not backed for decades and decades of launching.
1: And also, if you buy, so you pay 11% more if you buy after, if you buy rifle number 51 from RTT Firearms, you're paying probably 11% more that's worked into the price, I imagine, because um, you're not going to just give that away because the margin's small anyway for guns. Uh, but yeah. what, you know, what happens, Robert, when you run a bad mag through it or something goes wrong? And, you know, when you buy it online and you transfer it, you're probably going to get help to the gun store. But if that gun store's name, if that manufacturer's name's on the rifle and you take it back to Robert and say, this is the problem I'm having. I'm 150 percent sure Robert and his team are going to do whatever is necessary to help get your gun back on the road to help get you back to the range. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, like I said, we've been selling a lot of stripped
2: lower receivers, you know, stripped ones We left and right. I had one come in yesterday. And the kid shoved a polymer fire control group in it. it didn't have his buffer tube all the way, so his detent was about ready to shoot out when we put the pulled the buffer out of it. So we brought him up to speed, educated him um, on why you probably shouldn't use this fire control group and why you shouldn't use this buffer. And let me get you set up with the proper stuff. I didn't even charge him to finish his lower. You know, I'm one of those guys that, like, if someone walks in and goes, I need this bolt or something of $5, $10 value. I'm like, just take it. Get out of here. Like, just come see me next time. I'll make it up on the next sale. So... Um, like I said, it's back to safety. It's a firearm. Safety is like second in line. Do you like good parts, but how you operate your weapons is very important. But yeah, yeah. Don't, don't put subpar parts. You'll, you'll just line yourself up for failure.
1: I think that about covers the buy it part, right? Yeah. You guys agree? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to read some of the, um, funny ones and the informational ones. Uh we asked your guys' feedback at uh facebook or Facebook.com slash AR15 Podcast. Uh here's what we got from Chris. He says uh there is no perfect gun. Uh trying to build it doesn't make it any more likely that it'll be perfect. Uh I've machined my lower and ordered all my parts individually so I could get the exactly what I wanted. I'm glad I did this to learn about the platform, but uh it would have been faster, easier, and cheaper to buy some assembled parts uh after. Another consideration before building is availability of the price of ammo when it comes to building something like a 300 blackout or even a 308 to a 556 uh, 223. So thanks for your feedback, Chris. Uh, Chad wrote in, I think he's on the uh, Firearms Review. What's the name of that podcast that we have, Anthony? The review on? Gunning Deer Review. Gun and Gear Review. He's the uh, host over there. Uh, So Chad says, actually build it, unlike certain people on the AR-15 podcast. Um, Responded in kind to Chad. Yes. The plan's to build some this year, but stuff just keeps coming up, whether it's suppressors or new guns that I want to just buy outright. But uh, I will build a gun when I get around to it, and the good news is is I've got plenty of lures if I want to do it. And uh, I know several reputable uh, shops that I can call up Robert and tell him I need 87 lower parts kits. (laughs) Um, Coming up, we got Zachary. Uh, Get a a basic model already assembled. This way you can learn uh, what you like and what you don't. Then you can take it apart, put it back together, knowing it all worked at one point and all the right parts were there. I I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, I know I've heard from certain owners of shops that they don't uh, sell their own complete rifles sometimes because uh, they like to keep it modular so you can build what uh, you want to build. Um, if you have no experience, this one from Austin, if you have no experience uh, buying buying a built gun from Ruger Arrow, uh, Precision or Palmetto could be the way to go. Get used to the platform, figure out what you want, and then buy and build yourself and get some hands-on experience before you start spending money on parts. Uh, this was one that uh, rang true several times for the comments. Uh, decide on a purpose. Do you want something light for close quarters, carrying for long distance? Do you need a quad rail, a light, a laser? Just some things to think about before you jump in. So uh, thank you guys for all your feedback there. Oh, you're, you're skipping Kevin's. Yeah, oh, uh, be prepared for
3: a chronic illness. Once you once once you build the bug, there's no going back. He's got the
1: picture of the roll pin that he just found. He's <laughs> got to build another AR. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Now, as an owner, do you find yourself building guns for yourself a lot, Robert? Or do you not just have – I mean, we talked a little bit before we started broadcasting, the lavish life of a you know gun manufacturer and store owner. Uh, do you have any time – to build something for yourself and go shooting for yourself? Or is it all shooting other people's guns?
2: Yeah, so I don't test fire all that much anymore. I rarely go out and do something um, for the shop, you know. For insurance reasons, we don't shoot on site. So we have to go out and we're, we're in half of here here. So there's just desert everywhere. But, you know, the problem is, is when I build something, I kind of take like, not kind. I take my time with it. I lay out what I want, all the specs. I get all the parts in. I'll do some awesome Cerakote job. And I'll go shoot it and I'll kind of hide it in my safe for a little bit. And then maybe like one day I'll shoot it. I'm like, Oh, I should take some pictures and post it on Instagram. And 30 minutes later, someone's like, I want that rifle. Just here's my card. So (laughs) I don't have as much cool stuff as I like to because somebody else will think it's cooler. And those, there's whatever it is. It's, it's my personal. It's my specs. This is one of my hunting guns. This is one of my, you know, bench guns. This is our 1400 yard 308. And they'll be like, I want that. I, I don't want to build another one. I want that one. And that's just it. So, yeah, I do build some stuff, but it doesn't stick around long if I do. If I, if I post it up on social media or I leave it at the shop, the sales guys will just sell it. So,
0: that's a good <laughs> one
2: to have. Yeah, I can always build it. I always, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of cool guns, but at the end of the day, keeping them doesn't pay all my mortgages and all my employees. So, it, you know, we've got to sell it to make money. You can't keep everything. I'm one of those guys that have had almost, not every, but a lot of cool guns. And if I can handle it and shoot it and clean it and tinker on it for a week or two, I move on. I've had it. I've had a lot of pistols, a lot of cool, you know, know, different rifles and configurations and stuff. But, yeah, I I like building my stuff. But sometimes I build stuff for customers. And I'm like, man, I wish this was mine. But then
1: somebody would just buy it. So it doesn't work too well. I guess I'm going to have to put off owning a gun store then. 'Cause I, I don't think I'd sell anything. We yeah. we have all these lowers and I wouldn't sell anything. <laughs> um, I think that about wraps up our topic segment. We've uh, done episode one ninety five without Reed. He is currently sunning himself in Florida. Uh, he tells me he's working, but I don't believe it. Although he sent us a lot of emails today, Anthony, about, you know, do this, do that, get ready Weird for this yeah, yeah, it was it was, he wanted us to do stuff. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was like he started barking orders and things like that. So uh, we just didn't send him the link to tonight's show. And uh he although when he listens to this, we'll probably be in trouble because he's actually flying to Vegas uh Sunday and uh, Anthony coming in town. We're gonna get uh shot show covered, we're gonna visit our friends that we've uh, talked to the year. We're gonna stop by RTT, uh record a little audio, maybe do some video stuff, stop by New Frontier Armory and uh, make some connections, and we've already got people lining up to uh, come on the show and uh, talk about what they're doing in the industry in 2017. We're also going to return to the Builder Show. It's been about two years. Uh, we are going to go step-by-step through an AR build uh, over a couple episodes, so we've got that coming up and uh, also some exciting news, uh, some people coming on and interested in advertising. So if uh, you want to join that group of advertisers, jdar fifteen podcast at gmail.com. that's j d a r fifteen podcast at gmail dot com i uh, can 't let the bag out can 't let the cat out of the bag just yet but we're pretty excited uh, about the future of the podcast we 're reaching about four years now and uh we we 've just seen some amazing growth and you guys are very responsive and uh, share it with people and uh, we thank you so much for Spending time with us uh, each week. Sometimes we take a little break, as we did at the beginning of the year. But uh, we're going to make it up to you by getting you out some SHOT Show content next week. Uh, Anthony, let's uh, chew through some feedback real quick and uh, go ahead and put this episode to bed.
3: Sure. You First feedback uh, comes to us from Jeff. Uh, you, got, you guys might have already had an episode on this, but can you uh, talk about some handguards, the current trends and some of the exceptional companies that are out there for each price point? Oh it's a good time to keep our eye open while we're at shot show' because we'll see a lot of the, a lot of handguards uh it's always you know there's so many out there and uh looking and seeing what's there at shot show kind of helps us keep you know pulse on what's coming up so it'll be something that we uh keep an eye out for as we're
1: going through stuff Jeff, I'll tell you one handguard we won't talk about we won't talk about the uh handguard from the old guy at the company that uh snickered when he was like a podcast, what's that? Why would we want anything to do with that? So we won't tell you about those guys, but those those handguards were You don't want those handguards anyways. They're old. They were, they were old. They're they're older than quad rails and all that stuff. So that's one of the guys we'll avoid this year. There's only two companies that are on our, our bad list this year. And uh it's the one that its name won't be spoken and, and that one I don't even remember that guy. I just remember he was kind of a douchebag when we started talking to him. We're like, hey, we'd like to talk to you about your stuff. Why would we do that? We advertise them filled and stream. All right, dude, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, up next, uh, Tim, uh, get the guys from Joe Bob Outfitters back on to talk about the Savage R MSR 15 slash 10. They're the only place I've seen with either one on sale. I uh, would love to hear some insight for them on the rifle, as well as anybody from Savage willing to come on and talk about it. I believe uh, we're going to make that happen pretty soon. I think the the lead, I th- I'm not sure it was meant to happen on Joe Bob's site that the that the pricer that that even came out on that day. I think that kind of jumped the gun a little bit, but um, uh, we had him on with uh David from New Frontier Armory, and they did our gun shop nightmares show, probably the most popular show last year, uh, where we could laugh at ourselves a little bit. So you can go back and check that out. But yeah, we'll reach out to Joe Bob again and see if we can't. I get them back on the show here in 2017, uh, guys. As we come up, any final thoughts? Things you're looking forward to at Shot Show this year, uh, Robert? We'll go ahead and uh, start with you. Yeah,
2: I'm just uh, man. Shots just been draining getting ready for it in all in all aspects, but uh, I'm kind of just excited for it to get over with, honestly, so I can uh, maybe have some time off. We talked, JD and I were talking about vacations and, and how we get lack of them in this industry because everything's work required, but. Yeah, I'm excited to just get there, meet a lot of the viewers. I want any any of you guys that hear us, watch us, come over, shake our hand, let's talk. I'd like to meet all you and uh, see if we can help your shop in any way with any parts, variants, work, OEM manufacturing. Um, we're, we're more than just a rifle company. We we do a lot of backdoor work on, on other people's stuff as well that a lot of people don't know that we do. So um, I'm excited for that. I want to definitely meet all y'all. And I want to you know go around and see what's new. The handguards, like you guys talk about, there's always something new. Um, I'm excited to see what's out there this year. I, I know a couple of things are going to be launching that are going to be pretty exciting, um, but it, it's SHOT Show, man. There's always something new, and you, and you can walk it four days, and you're never going to see enough of it. You know, I did my second day last year when I walked, I did 10 miles in one day. Wow. So, uh, in, in boots. I didn't wear no comfy shoes. I still wore my boots. <laughs> so, you know, I got steel toes everywhere I go. So, yeah, I'm excited for that um, and, and to actually meet with you guys and hang out and do some filming with you and um, a couple other consulting companies and, and try to get a, try to get some good feedback on, on what the consumer wants. So I can kind of start building some prototypes for 18. I, I really want to hear what the consumer would like to see. I'm tired of kind of doing the same thing. I'm, I want to see what you guys would like to see for innovation coming into next year.
1: Nice. Anthony, what are you looking forward to?
3: Um, awesome. as always you know I look forward to getting to see people that we talk to all year we've talked you know we talked to you to actually get to see them say hi shake hands um, talk a little bit you, you know it's awesome you get to see a lot of cool stuff but it is a lot of walking <laughs> I think jD and I uh, I think one day we ended up in the couch up couches up in the press lounge just crashed out
1: <laughs> yeah I think we decided that day we were just done we we're, we're like, just done. Ah. It's over. It was like Thursday or Friday. We were we were done. <laughs> and Michael, whatever you think a show is, however big you think it is, multiply it by like 200.
0: That's kind of what <laughs> I'm... That, that's the impression I get. I've been to lots of less fun trade shows, so one can only imagine the rigor, but just add the fun and the excitement of seeing all the new products and meeting all the people who are internet famous and whatnot, so... I hope you guys have a great time with
1: the go. Yeah, we'll be putting out several um, several shows next week. Maybe some long stuff where we can sit down and uh, kind of give our thoughts on things. And then maybe some spur-of-the-minute stuff that we can record with the uh, booths and get there. Robert, you guys are going to be at the on the next um, section, right? Before yeah, four? we're upstairs,
2: so come find us the shot next. Um, we have rifles scattered out through the show for Cerakote work. Um, Dave has some really awesome stuff from New Frontier. Uh, We did a bunch of Cerakote work for him on some stuff. So, yeah, look for us uh, upstairs and uh, look for our stuff all around. I mean, we're starting to definitely put a dent in some of the Cerakote work in the industry. So, And if you guys have shops that you need your Cerakote work, you can always send it through your FFL directly to us, and we can handle any of your Cerakote needs.
1: Nice. I'm looking forward to – we'll be out at Range Day. We'll also be checking out VFOB, veteran-owned businesses. Uh, that's going to be a blast to check that out and uh, give you guys a report from that. Um, what else is going on, Shasha? Oh, Reed let me know that he's back on his diet. So um, that should make eating interesting as we try to maneuver his uh, diet. Uh, the famous story is we were at lunch last year, and uh, he asked for – wasn't it hot dogs without the buns or hot something? Hot dogs and, without the buns, yeah. <laughs> and the waitress offered to eat his buns, and uh, it was – Funny and awkward all at the same time, but uh, (laughs) yeah, he informed us he's back on that. So we'll be walking around, uh, checking out all the booths, taking pictures. If there's somebody you guys want us to see uh, or talk to, shoot us an email, jd.ar15podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook or Instagram uh, at ar15podcast or uh, facebook.com slash ar15podcast. You can support the show. Uh, by going to the pledge page at firearmsradio.tv, click on the AR-15 podcast. Your support makes difference, man. All our gear, um, that we're going to have is because of Robert's generosity helping us out. Uh, so we are going to be able to bring you that show because of, uh, his generosity. So, uh, we thank you for that, Robert. Uh, with that guys, I think we're done. Maybe it didn't go as smoothly as it would with Reed because we don't have his, what is it? His monotone voice or his, I don't remember what the
2: comments are. (laughs) It's his microphone. He has a microphone. That's what makes the difference. He's got one of those big old microphones from his face.
1: Yeah, so uh, Reed, we'll see you when you fly into town. Hopefully you're not grumpy. Uh, My kids are all excited that Reed's coming into town. He left a big impression on them, so he's like Santa Claus is coming. So, Uh, With that, we're going to wrap up Episode 195. Uh, Any comments or questions, shoot me an email, jd.ar15podcast at gmail.com. Unless you have complaints, send them to AR15podcast at gmail.com. That goes right to Reed's phone. So uh, (laughs) i like him to get all the the bad news and the bad email. But uh, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Guys, thank you so much for being here. And uh, listeners, we'll talk to you next week.
2: This has been a production of the
0: Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.